Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. This afternoon, we're talking with Trisha Binder. She's fresh out of the Uber that dropped her off as she flew back from Miami. She's in Chicago. Welcome, Tricia. Thank you, Larry. I'm so excited to be here. Co-founder, president of Muros. And I'm going to let her explain that to you. But, you know, the thing about Tricia and Muros, by the way, congratulations on your great year, just half of the way into your third year. You're into the millions again, and you have matched uh, exceeded what you did the first two years from launch. Very exciting to see those numbers compounding and uh, know that you're on the right track. It's, it's always nice to see that something actually works, isn't it? it? It is. It's been a really big week, a big milestone for us, and we couldn't be more excited. Well, Tricia, what, what, uh, what I uh, was impressed about in your background is you're someone who has paid her dues <laughs> in the corporate world and you have survived successfully in that jungle of corporations and, you know, a lot of stagnation, a lot of, you know, a lot of barriers to uh, keeping the entrepreneurial spirit. And usually what happens, Tricia, is it's kind of like, uh, people who are in the army for 20 years, they, you know, I can retire in 20 years. Yeah. But by then you won't have, your soul will have been sucked out of you, you know, <laughs> and you won't feel like getting out of bed in the morning. Whereas if you started a business when you're in your twenties, you still got some inspiration and everything, but what you've done, uh, I see that you've had a career working for a bunch of fortune 500 companies, uh, SE Johnson, Nestle, Purina, Nordstrom, and uh, all kind of different roles, but uh, all kind of different agencies, vendors, partners, and a million dollar, billion dollar brands. And, uh, you know, lots of experiences and contacts. And so congratulations on still having that fighting spirit and having the uh, courage to launch out on your own. That probably... Uh, 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 you know, there, there, there had to be some doubts uh, when you did that. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was terrifying. I mean, when you, when you work for these very large companies and most of the ones, you know, as you mentioned them that I work for are, are more than a hundred years old. Uh, there's, there's so many safety nets in place and there are so many decades of process and procedures and you're surrounded by brilliant and intelligent people. And when you walk away from that, there, there isn't that backup. There isn't that bank account, that customer network, they're just, none of that exists. And so it's very scary to walk away from a place and maybe, maybe not so much these days, but of security um, and something that feels kind of like a, a safer, you know, bigger place to be going out on your own is, is definitely a very scary step. And it certainly was for me as well. And so how did you do that? And what got you excited? When did you explain Muros? Uh, to everybody and uh, tell us 
what intrigued you about this unique business? Yeah, so at Murals, we consider ourselves an art activation agency. So we're really looking to connect brands and businesses with artists, um, you know, like local, national, international artists to be able to really kind of bring a different way of thinking about creativity and perspective on a brand to really authentically connect with their audiences and their customers. Um, and I think, you know, like we, we kind of consider ourselves in some degree, we do some like out of, like a lot of out of home um, placemaking type things. And we really consider ourselves kind of like an anti-billboard, a very different approach to the way that a brand can traditionally connect. Um, it was interesting to me because in this day and age where you have so many people, you know, posting photos on social media and uh, like sharing things like in, as a brand marketer, you know, like a lot of times you're trying to engineer that interest and that engagement and that connection that somebody has with a brand. But when you have art, there's sort of a natural gravitation in a way that it draws people in. So I really believe that there was a, a really special and interesting kind of niche that we could create by, you know, tapping somebody who could be considered you know, maybe a micro influencer and leveraging their unique creativity and talents to help a brand really connect differently with their audience in the way that they maybe traditionally have thought about. And so how did you, is this an art business? Is this an advertising business? Is this, what is this business? It's an interesting question. I think it's both. Um, you know, we have about, you know, half of our business is developers on the real estate side of things. So in that case, a lot of it is, it's just, it really is art. It can be sculptures, it can be art installations, um, beautiful murals, like things that just bring and beautify their properties for, you know, commercial, residential, retail uh, clients of theirs. And then the other half of our business is brands and where we really are taking a, a less traditional approach, or maybe you could say an old school approach to advertising where it has this kind of handmade, you know, element behind it where somebody literally is physically painting like you would have seen ads in the 50s or the 60s. Um, and it's just, it's a very unique spin and way for them to kind of think again, think about connecting with their audience. So it's, it's definitely a bit of both. And so let's talk about as you moved, uh, how did you get started? What were you interested in when you started and you wound up going into the corporate world? What were you chasing at that point? What would, who, who were you at that point? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I've, all, I've always said like my dream as you know, like a young girl growing up in North Central Wisconsin, where there isn't a lot of big companies or big businesses was to work for like the biggest brands. I really, I kind of had this dream of, you know, working in a big city for these big corporations. And I just believe that there was like this magic to, especially like consumer packaged goods and products that like I just experienced as a customer um, myself. And I, I just wanted to be part of you know, something that people trusted in and were kind of enamored with. And that's really where I wanted to be. So I had a great opportunity very early in my career to be working at SC Johnson. And I loved it because I knew Ziploc and I knew Windex and I knew scrubbing bubbles and those ads and the jingles and things I could remember from my childhood. And to be kind of part of that was such a phenomenal learning ground for me because I was able to, again, be surrounded by such incredible people. And there was so much rigor there from a company going up against the PNGs of the world to, to really be thoughtful and metrics focused. And I think that set a good, um, you know, kind of foundation for me because I, I also knew like, you know, getting uh, later into my career that I really did want to go out on my own and work for myself. Um, so to be able to kind of have that great 
learning ground and kind of understand how tried and true businesses and brands built themselves and talked to customers was incredibly influential and, and really gave me like a great um, you know, bench of knowledge to be able to bring into a world of entrepreneurship, which has been much crazier <laughs> and more of a renegade cowboy kind of world. But, um, you know, like having, again, that, that great foundation was, was really important to me. And I'm, I'm really blessed by the amazing companies that I've been able to work with. But that was kind of my dream. I, I wanted something big. I wanted something amazing. I wanted a brand that I knew and that I loved. And that's where I fortunately got to start. In other words, you wanted to do something great with your life. And that was the first kind of picture of how you could do that. Is it, would that be a good way of saying that? Yeah, that's a great yeah. way of saying it. That's really kind of what I did picture for myself. And it was, you know, amazing to be able to kind of realize you, that. You, you, know, you, you know what it was. <laughs> you could see yourself being, uh, you know, the motivator. You know, the thing is, <laughs> you're supposed to be motiva motivated to do big things. You don't climb. And uh, I always use the example of you take a, uh, a little baby. They learn to walk and they're wobbling all over the thing. And you take them over to uh, the, the, the base of some stairs. The first thing they're gonna do, they can barely stand up. They're gonna lean over and they're gonna try and hike that little leg up and climb the stairs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we have that in us. I mean, you, everybody's gonna make you feel bad to try and do something big, something great, something wonderful in your life. But they're just, they're in denial. You're not in denial if you're going for something great. You know, you just yeah. turn yourself loose. I mean, you're supposed to be pursuing greatness in their life. And if they're not going to do it, they need to leave your butt alone and let you chase it. And uh, so it's always great to hear that, that, uh, you know, your picture of pursuing something great. Now, when you got in there, you mentioned two words, rigor and metrics focus. You know, it's like, you know, from, you know, looking back over the years, it's interesting those things uh, were two that you uh, mentioned. It's not an accident, you know, and that's, uh, you know, talk about rigor, what that meant, what that means, what, how it impacted you, how it changed you. Yeah, I think there was just such an importance around being really thoughtful and intentional about every move that you did, you know, building plans, the budgets, the forecasting, um, all of that, you had to just be so smart. Every move that you made had to be very intentional and very smart. And I think having that kind of structure where other people might you know, not care for that, I, I saw the value in it and I understood how important it was to be you know, thoughtful and-, and um, Well, how do you do that? I mean, you say thoughtful, intentional, you know, like if I got a good friend of mine, real good friend of mine asked me to write something send something in on one of our friends and like, you know, a story about him being authentic. And it's like, I just hit a dead wall. You know, it's like authentic. Uh, you mean a story about him where he's not a phony, you know? So some of these things just don't register with me. I guess I came along too early, but when it, we, when you talk about intentional and things, how do you get, how do you make sure you're doing that? Uh, uh, how do you find those things? Hey, Listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying times. 
Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Yeah, I mean, I think what it really comes down to is ensuring that whatever goal you have or whatever job you're supposed to deliver, what you're doing is really going to do that. So as an example, in marketing, especially like I started out in digital marketing when you still had a fan gate, a Facebook page, and before they even had, um, you know, ads to be able to sell. And there's a lot of things like, especially like a lot of my agency partner wanted to do that were very sexy and they might seem very cool, but at the end of the day, they didn't move a bottle off a shelf. And so really thinking through, like, is this going to make a difference or does it just look cool on paper or on my resume or whatever else? Is it really going to move and inspire somebody or, you know, get somebody to choose this bottle versus that bottle? It's, it's that kind of thinking, um, you know, like even when some of like my other, uh, you know, life at, for example, like, you know, Nestle Purina, I mean, like there were plans out there where they might show metrics of how successful, let's say a YouTube video was, but at the end of the day, there was more engagements on those than there were cat owners in the world. So you, you might be entertaining somebody, but are you moving, you know, cat food off the shelf type of thing? And it just, it was having that kind of background where you're, you're really kind of forced to think through and like, look at again, like what, what is moving the needle? How are you measuring success? And it's not impressions, it's not engagements, it's whether or not you again are making a sale at the end of the day. So having that and kind of being, you know, required to really showcase that this idea is working or it's not, at least, you know, to be able to prove it, but you're using the right numbers to be able to showcase that. And I think that's something that I was taught very early on um, from those organizations and has really influenced the way that I think about um, tactics and strategy and what I'm ultimately trying to accomplish. Well, let's face it. They get big because they're competitive. Uh, they get big because they got more customers and they stay big if they stay competitive and don't get arrogant and stale and uh, comfortable, you know? Right. And so it's not surprising that you find that kind of competitive, competitive type uh, energy in there, but also this other side of the corporate world is the fear of being blamed when things don't work. Because, uh, you know, most of the time you try new things, you got to, you know, nine out of 10 times it won't work or at least won't work that great. And it, it's the 10th iteration uh, improvement of it to where it just explodes. And a lot of people are afraid to raise their hands up and take ownership of a situation or even uh, say what they like. And did you run into that in the corporate world? Yeah, I, I mean, you definitely will always run into that. And that's where you know, again, like, I think the most valuable learning experiences to me are where when people do have the courage to say, okay, that didn't work. And here's why. And oftentimes, you know, what you saw instead was somebody, you know, inflating numbers or pulling the, the numbers that looked good, but really weren't valuable, or again, like weren't the ones moving the needle. And for me, that, that was always frustrating, because I, I, just, I felt a, a level of obligation to do the right thing for the organizations that I worked with. And when you kind of see individuals or teams or you know, partners or whoever that, that don't have that same mentality, I think it's frustrating because at the end of the day, you're only successful if you are, you know, continuing to be a leader and making the sales and whatever else. So I think like those values sometimes can be challenged or you see them not coming through. And 
I, it's also partly why I wanted to have my own thing one day. I wanted to ensure that I built a culture that I was really proud of and found the right people that kind of were on the same level or on the same page as me. And so I think that that was something that you, you know, you kind of watch along your career and then you determine like, well, what do you want more of? And that was what I was hoping to build when we started Miros. Yes. What do you want more of? And getting in that situation, you know, where you're working with a company, you get a chance. uh, You have a lot of obligations. You have a lot of people, a lot of role models, good and bad, a lot of projects, and you get a lot of education in a short period of time if you're paying attention. (laughs) And uh, one thing, would you agree with this, having worked with a bunch of uh, companies, would you agree with this? And this is kind of uh, a little speaking to the audience. If you're in a company, you're in a situation, or you're running a company, or a department, or a team, where there's a hesitancy, there's a, a negativity towards uh, uh, taking risk, and you know a fear factor of, of you know, you know branching out. Uh, you're probably in the wrong place. You're probably at least in the wrong department, or you're probably underneath a a leader who's going to go down, 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 and out. So I wouldn't hitch. Certainly, don't hitch your 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 wagon to that kind of star because that's not a star. If the companies and I talk to a lot of uh, CEOs, the companies that do well encourage innovation and encourage their people to uh, take risk. And you have to have the culture where from the top, it's okay to fail as long as you're moving forward. It's not okay to hesitate. It's not okay to uh, avoid responsibility and uh, you know just go through the motions. There is an attack mindset and an acceptance of uh, the reality that most of the things you try are not gonna work perfectly the way you wanted, but you're never going to learn anything and you're never going to hit on the thing that that goes big unless you're trying new stuff. And so would you agree that have you seen that different affect the, the growth of a company or a department or maybe, you know, you know, I have companies inside companies with these giant companies, you know, they have their own product that yeah. they're pushing and all. But uh, have you seen that? Yeah, I've definitely seen that. And I completely agree with your assessment. I think a, a manager or a leader who is not advocating for you to try new things or learn or, you know, even if it's a small change, swapping something in or out on a website is really more about self-preservation than they are about advancing the organization. And I've, I mean, I, found, I remember we did once removed a single image and changed it out on my website when I was at Nordstrom Trunk Club. And it resulted in like a million dollars in saving because it dramatically you know, decrease our cost per lead. So not not enabling your team to think through different scenarios and, and figure out where they can test and learn can sometimes be incredibly costly to an organization and certainly to somebody's creativity and motivation to bring forward new ideas. So, yeah. so, tr- so Tricia, how would you summarize, uh, how would you summarize uh, uh, this idea of uh, make sure because what you've done, you've, you have, whether you know it or not, you have attacked every situation you've been in and, you know, you have reached the point where like, okay, 
I found a better opportunity. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. One way or another, you got to move on in your life. You can't wait. Success is not going to come uh, knocking on your door, promotions, or this, that, the other. If it happens, it's like winning the lottery. You've got to be on the attack. You've got to have your eyes up. And so what would you tell people about uh, maximizing their career and their career growth? What are things, you know, a, you know, a quick comment about climbing the ladder to if you do want a business of your own that you could have that happen what what would you how would you put that in a nutshell for people what what comes to your mind yeah i mean in a nutshell i would say get comfortable with being uncomfortable because if you're if you're not uncomfortable you're definitely not growing you're not changing you're not experiencing something else you're not pushing boundaries so you kind of have to get used to this feeling of not being the expert or knowing all the answers. You, you really have to be okay being uncomfortable in new situations and recognize that when you have that feeling, you're being challenged, you're learning, you're doing something else. If you feel great and you're always like, I, I got all of this. And I, I remember always being at kind of that point in my career and it's kind of that, that gave me that little nudge to be like, okay, now I think it's time to do something else because I feel like I've got this. Like when I know it like the back of my hand, I think it's time for, I'm not challenging myself any longer. And I think especially if you want to go out and do something on your own, there's going to be a tremendous learning curve, no matter what you do. Like I, you know, I would consider myself a marketer by trade, but now I'm doing accounting and finances and more legal stuff. And I'm more in the world of insurance than I ever wanted to be. But, you know, these are growth opportunities for me and I'm, I'm rounding out my experience, and my skill set. And so I think, again, in a nutshell, it's, it's just, it's getting comfortable with not being an expert and, and feeling a little uneasy in a situation so that you can experience new things and really grow. Absolutely. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Wydell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.